Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the club that has now given us 168 days without a league win at the time of recording. Um, Thanks to Mr. Joel Sked for that one. Um, didn't go and count that one myself, so I have to give credit where it's due, if you want to call it that. Been a long time coming. Uh, but um, as Mark Donaldson mentioned to me just before we came on air, uh, hearts are unbeaten in, well, a week, week and a half. Amazing. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic. In fact, it's longer than that because we actually drew our last game. I keep forgetting yeah, that we didn't crazy. lose to Hamilton Aggies. This this has been a long time since we tasted defeat. And I want to start, Paul, you can start with your negative ways, Dunsire, but I want to start positive because I know okay. that it's only downhill from here. So if so, you're starting at the bottom, you can't go any lower. I can go lower by starting positive. Okay, so we're not going to talk about hearts. Like last week, we'll talk about <laughs> We'll talk about something else. Um, yeah, what are we talking about today, given the fact that Hearts didn't play? I know we'll look ahead to the Motherwell game, but what else you got up your sleeve? Um, not much. Who do, you think, who do you think I am? A magician? Paul Daniels? That's not me. This, honestly, if someone has listened to this for the first time, this is going to be two minutes of the most uninspiring, <laughs> why don't you tune in for the next 58 minutes podcast ever? Come on, upbeat. Okay. I am Laurie Dunsett, joined once again by Mark Donaldson for this week's possibly upbeat or at least bearable, we hope, Scarves Around the Funnel podcast. Uh, we will talk about Motherwell, as you mentioned, which is Hearts' next game coming up this weekend. We've not lost this month. That's incredible. It's it's unbelievable. The achievements know no bounds around Tynecastle just now. We're also going to talk about testimonials briefly following Mark's mm. homework question last week. Um, and I'm sure something else will arise um, as we go along. First up, um, a run through. You know gonna, you, do you know what I'm going to do? This is oh, this is going to be um, just because just I'm feeling creative. So in kind of um, TV show fashion, especially American TV shows, previously on Scarves Around the Funnel... Sitting in uh, in a hotel room in New York City. I hadn't had lunch because I was calling matches yesterday. Uh, so I hadn't had dinner. So obviously after the nightcap, came back to the hotel room, got the munchies. Right. So there's a packet of Mrs. Fields' glorious chocolate chip cookies. I had a couple of chocolate chip cookies. A couple? Yeah, all right, shut up. I have somehow slept on one of the chocolate chips. On my white sheet. What the hell do I do now? And the bed is a bloody mess. What am I? Do- what am I going to do? There is what appears skid marks on the bed. So what the hell do I do? Help! So yeah, it was a bit of a a, a cliffhanger um, last week. We had no one. No one really cares about what's going to go in the hearts game. The big question was. What was going to happen with the sheets at Mark Donaldson's hotel room in New York, where he was staying for the US Open? Of course, uh, Mark Wells actually messaged after last week's podcast and said, "Um, is it that dull talking about hearts just now that I'm more interested in what happened in the shitey sheets? (laughs) Hashtag chocolate chip. Hashtag room service. Hashtag I write. I did post the evidence of... Yeah, you're a dick. (laughs) I can't, I can't argue with that <laughs> on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter feed. And the big poll this week was not uh, whether Craig Levine should go or not. It was um, 
what was on Mark Donaldson's hotel oh. sheets. Now, the votes came in, and it was 79% poopies and 21% cookies. <laughs> Look, <laughs> so you... do, you re- do you really think, right? It, l- let, me, let me put this to everyone. Do you really think if you've shat the bed, you're going to tell people no danger, no danger? Did you Just did you try and cover it up? Uh, I <laughs> I scrunched up the sheet. I also, but no, that's the start of it. I scrunched up the sheet, okay, put it on the ground, then took the above layer sheet, scrunched that up, put that on top of the scrunched up sheet that was already on the ground. And then took the base layer, like the protector, scrunched up. I scrunched four things up. So if she wanted to play hide and seek, good luck on her. Because I just wanted it to be not impossible to find. Because there was no scent. This is the other thing. So she, she, wasn't, she wasn't going, what's this? Like a dog. Trying to find. That wasn't going to happen. So there was no kind of scent for her to follow. But I didn't want her to find the evidence. Just in case she thought... Like seventy nine percent of you who are wrong thought that it was the other one. So it wasn't like a, a spud in train spotting kind of scene. Oh my god, that's still one of the most grotesque film scenes, and I include horror movies in it. When spud comes down <laughs> and the sheets open, when they str- oh goodness gracious, it was not like that because you do not get that mess from chocolate chips. <laughs> Okay, yeah. If if someone's tuning in for the first time, um, we don't. This isn't the the tone. Sometimes goes this way, but it's not normally what we speak about. We um, normally talk a lot of shite, but it's not not it's literally. Not literally, yes. <laughs> okay, let's 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 move on from that. I just Thank thought I'd touch God. upon that because you know it's what sometimes what the oh give the, the people demand. what they want. Yes, whatever. indeed. Um, <laughs> I don't know if is bark- it a dog barking. <laughs> I wondered if that was coming through. The, oh, the, yes. The neighbor's dog is, is barking. I am currently um, in the bedroom, which has the window that goes out to the back, and the neighbor's the neighbor's dog is getting rather excited, so hopefully that will die down. Um, Molly, be quiet. I'm busy. Wally. Um, Molly. Molly. Yeah, like Ringwald. Uh, okay. <laughs> Did you think I said Wally? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Definitely Molly. Um. Anyway, away from cookies, poopies, and puppies. Um. Football-wise, uh, Ek messaged in incidentally today, which is um Thursday the twelfth. Messaging. It'll be interested to see what you make of the manager's interview from this morning. Uh, which is Craig Levine's interview, which came out um today with Barry Anderson. Um. I'm not going to go into all the depth of this because there's quite a lot of words in there. Um, I guess the main message, I mean, I'll, I'll give some quotes from the start of it. I've been here so many times in the past when the season hasn't started as well as you want. The thing is uh, to look at it in the cold light of day. Don't get caught up in everything. I don't get caught up in the hysteria when we started well last season either. Um, I think it's important to keep a level head, not get too excited, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about that side of things, I'm not going to go into the stats because we've done it too many times, but it's not just the start of the season. He's not a new manager. It's not like we were playing well or even average at the, la- the end of last season. It's it's a malaise. I was looking at the dates, Mark. Um, it's We're almost a month away from an anniversary of when it all started going wrong, which was kind of the end of October last year when Naismith hobbled off at Murrayfield in the Betfred Cup semi-final. And although we've had some... <laughs> some blips of actually winning games. On the whole, since then, it's been mediocre, and that's probably me being generous. When you sent me a message this morning saying, oh, um, Barry's done an interview with, with Craig Levine in the evening news, uh, we can react to that. So I read it, and it was just words mm-hmm. uh, for, from Craig. From, from Craig. Um, but Barry's excellent at what he does, but there's only so much you can do with what you're given. Um, and a lot of it is him saying, I've been in this position before, come out of it, blah, blah, blah. There's, as we've said on numerous occasions, Craig's playing, the, as I would as well as we all would, if we're in this situation, we're batting down the hatches, we kind of try and say, look, uh, this hasn't been the best start to the season, blah, blah, blah. What we're saying is that this isn't just about the start of the season. This has been a long-term uh, issue 
there hasn't been a sign of of progress over the past 12 months or so. And there was, to be honest, it didn't really matter what Craig said because th- th- there's there's nothing he, he could no. have said that hasn't been said before that would change Hearts fans' minds. I've spoken on many occasions about when when stubborn football fans, and you can't have the, the phrase football fans without preceding it with stubborn because we all are. We're, we're happy when things are going well, but we're stubborn when things aren't. Um, when, when stubborn football fans make their mind up, it's, it's impossible to change. And the bottom line is, I don't think that this break has been a bad thing for Hearts because there's a sense of anger after the Hamilton game especially um, that would have manifested itself and, and into a muddle game if that was straight on the back of it. We've now had a couple of weeks break, right? We've we've still been surrounded by shite football, but this time it's been Scotland. <laughs> but that's I'm not saying that's taking the pressure off. Well, Mark, that that's been a long malaise, though, even longer than our malaise. <laughs> yeah, but typical. We're, most of us are, are Hearts and Scotland fans, so we must we must either have a fetish for misery or have done something wrong <laughs> in a past life. Throw in the fact I love the Miami Dolphins, and after what happened last weekend with them, goodness me, I would just wish I could have been born in Rio and something like that. But we've got these two weeks between the, the, the Hamilton game and the Motherwell game. I want to group the next three games. Motherwell at home, Hibs away, Aberdeen at home in the Cup. We don't go outside Edinburgh. Hibs are in a mess right now as well. And it's a chance in the, in the League Cup to qualify for the semi-finals. Would I back Hearts right now? No chance. However, the Motherwell game, and we, I said the Hamilton game was, was everything. And we never, we're never going to win. We can't keep saying, oh, this, this game is... This is it. This is the most important game. If we don't win this, that's it. Because clearly it's not worked out that way. But the Motherwell game for me can kickstart a run of these three games. And I, I can't see anything changing, regardless of, of, of what happens in the results. I don't see anything changing uh, this month. We've got St. Mirren after that. However, should we beat Motherwell and win the derby and go through... Now, given what we've said previously and the form we've shown, how can we suddenly go from no wins in the league in 161 days or, or whatever to back-to-back-to-back victories, which is something that, that Hearts haven't done probably, I think, since December and January last year when we beat Hamilton, we won the Derby, and we beat Livingston in the Cup. Those three games were also in Edinburgh. So... I'm just hopeful that these three games not can be the turnaround for our season, but can 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 just get some more people a little bit more on board. And I might be contradicting what I've said here, but I'm just fed up with the negativity and saying, oh, well, things are going to change. Because if things aren't changing right now, you're not going to make them change by just saying they need to change. They need to change because we don't make that decision. Let's concentrate on the football. Let's see if we get a reaction. Let's hope we get some players back. And who knows? Because if it's more of the same, then I don't know where we go from here. Hearts have had back-to-back league victories twice since October last year. The two you mentioned, Aki's um, and Hibs at the end of 2018. And then there was the two games, one at the end of January, then one at the start of February against St. Johnson and Kilmarnock. But since then... Um, since that 1st of February game, two league wins. One away to Dundee, who were obviously absolutely abysmal and were relegated, and one at home to Aberdeen. They weren't back-to-back, though. So, kind of sums up where we're at. And he, he also mentioned, which, I mean, I, I don't want to get into too much depth on, on the, the interview, but he also mentioned the fact that because training, he says training oh, levels are good. Um, he's not worried. Um, if training was um, dreadful, uh, then he would be worried. So he's not worried. Why is he not worried about the fact that the training levels are not being are not being replicated on the on the pitch? In some ways, that worries me more because it's exactly saying, it's saying that all your players are fit and the, whatever happens in training, the drills, the preparations, all fine. That kind of just hones it down to the issue is completely on the person who's setting them up and managing them through their game at the weekend. That's yep. almost, to me, it's almost narrowing it down to completely being on his shoulders. Because if he's saying that, you know, through the week, they're all everything's fine, which suggests, you know, um, fitness, the drills, the 
defensive preparation, the shooting practice, you know, whatever they're doing through the week, the conditioning is all good. That means that well, if we're if everyone's good in the preparation, but we're this bad in the matches, and it suggests what we've talked about and what a lot of fans have talked about, that the problem is not the players, it's not the coaching of those players from the rest of the team, which obviously, you know, Levine himself doesn't get involved too much in the, the nitty gritty through the week. It's the tactics and the the game management and the man management on a Saturday at three o'clock or whatever time the kickoff is. To me, from the manager's point of view, that's more worrying because it's all down to him then. You picked up on exactly the same comments that you made about training that I, that I picked up on as well. And if that's two from two, everyone else reading that, or most people are going to be like, okay, so if it's going well in training, why aren't we being able to transfer that onto the pitch? Now, we've spoken before about confidence. You can do anything you want on a training field, but you, you're not going to get the, the confidence of a win. And we said last week about the Motherwell game, the scrappy 1-0 win. Um, I'd take that. It's Motherwell again. I'd take that right now, this weekend. Um, Just on a a kind of broader note, to do with the internationals and to do with hearts, people are talking about Scotland saying, oh, the the quality of the player you've got is better than a Northern Ireland or Republic of Ireland or or whatever. Why aren't you getting results? Yeah, well, the quality of player hearts have got is better than a Hamilton, a St Mirren, a Ross County. So why are we below those teams in the table? Now, with, with Scotland, there's been a change of manager of late. I think you've got to give that time. I think Stevie Clark is the right appointment, but he can only work with, with what he's got to work with. And two of his games have come against Belgium. I'm not saying that we can excuse the Russia performance because I thought it was poor, but there are mitigating circumstances. He only gets to work with these players for a certain number of days prior to a match. Craig and, and the staff have full access when it's not an international week to the players in the build-up to a week. So I don't know what he's worked on. And uh, to be honest, we'll find out this weekend um, because the proof of the pudding and all that. But I know he's had some players away. I know you can't work on, on, on confidence because that comes with a win. But defensively, we've, we've been atrocious. Stevie Clark at Kilmarnock certainly prided himself on having a strong defence. And at Scotland, he's conceding bucketfuls. So... We've got to be able to pride ourselves on being able to score one and knowing that we can get three points because our defence isn't conceding. Our defence right now is, is on a par with Scotland's defence. On a subject maybe slightly lighter, we will obviously go back um, to present day and upcoming competitive football. Um, last week, Mark put the homework out there about favourite testimonial memories um now this is something that i don't really have much um of my own material for purely because testimonials are few and far between these days they don't happen and i suppose it's largely because um players don't really need testimonials as much or they shouldn't really um given obviously the fact that they get fairly well compensated for what they do um, and also players tend to jump around a lot, especially when you're not at the elite level of football. But there have been some, um, and more, uh, I guess, when you look maybe before the turn of the turn of the millennium. Um, so we've had some good feedback on this one. Um, Eck gives us a, a quick story from a more recent testimonial. He says he's only been to one testimonial. That was Neil Harris's in 2010. Um, X says uh, he chose Hearts as opponents for some reason. It was a foolish, a, a foolish, as in not a foolish, but a f- almost fool away end. A beautiful sunny day and a last minute goal to win it. What more could you ask for? 7 a.m. flight down, which I decided required a 4:30 a.m. taxi from Sight Hill in case of traffic. By the way, um, you know budget flights, bloody nightmare. Do them all the time, but you always have to get up at such a stupid time in the morning. Um, that's another rant, anyway. Um, few beers uh, in the airport and a few dirty looks later, we'd made it to the cheap hotel, which was full of Celtic fans because they were down for the Emirates Cup. Gutted. Uh, singing, your your shit and your wife's a slag back at some very, very angry skinheads after the third goal was priceless. Um, and he also saw John Cahoon in the departure lounge on the Sunday night for the flight back up the road cracking away day uh, so that was neil harris's testimonial match um when almost eight and a half thousand people turned up 
um, for what was uh, reportedly an entertaining 90 minutes. Egert Jonsson gave Hearts the lead with a penalty. Millwall fought back. Two goals from Liam Trotter. Um, and Craig Thompson was the hero for Hearts with two free kicks in the second half. Um, Neil Harris is now Millwall manager. And do you know who was on the bench for Millwall that day when I had a quick look at the team lineups? The fastest player ever, maybe apart from um, Mirsad Bezlija, the famous Chris Hackett. I did that game. Did you? Yep, because we played Gillingham on the Thursday night. I don't know why I was down there. What would I have been down there? I must have done it for the Hearts website. Quite possible. Yeah, we did the comment. I did. I did, in fact. Did the commentary? Yeah, that's what that was for. I did that back then. That was your job. Yes, indeed. <laughs> there was a reason that we were there. So we, I did. I, I did. Um, I did that game. The the Gillingham game was on the Thursday night beforehand. Um, we then played another one. Sorry, the Mil- the Millwall game was a Saturday. Um, it was another one I'm thinking about when when we played Plymouth or or something like that. Um, but I, I recall. I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure this is true. The Millwall fans midway through the game is now bearing in mind Hearts fans were upper tier, if I remember rightly. Now at Millwall you have your own entrance for the away fans to the ground because <laughs> it is a it can be a scary place at times. So I can imagine, yes. There, you have your own like kind of platform and your own entry, and and never the twain shall meet. So apart from being in London, which is a big enough place that you can kind of hide from skinheads and uh, and rascals. Um, I think Hearts fans or one Hearts fan decided it'd be quite fun to either I don't know if it was a flag or a, a top it was West Ham and Millwall and West Ham aren't best of friends <laughs> and the Millwall fans who couldn't get the Hearts fans because the Hearts fans were top tier behind the goal and there was there was a, it's a separate stand and they, they weren't too happy about that um, but the, the Gillingham game we won 2-1 that's a that's a shithole of a place Kent Gillingham and Kent there was nothing going on there and then two days later, we, we played Millwall. We haven't played too many friendly, uh, too many testimonials since then, I don't believe. Possibly not. I mean, I said the only one I've been to was Laurie Ellis's um, Wraith Hearts in 2012. And it's partly because there's, you, I think I could probably count on one hand certainly how many Hearts-related testimonials have happened since I've been going to football regularly. Um, obviously, that one um, that mentioned there was for a Millwall player. Um, Ian Buckle says, the only thing I remember about testimonials is the quality of football is quicker and more exciting than the current tactics. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance to have a dig, I like it. Um, Stuart Moore. some for you after, after you finish with, uh, with the correspondence. Okay, that's fine. You, you will get your chance. You'll get your time in the in the spotlight don't worry um Stuart Moore says just said initially Kevin uh, Keegan Keegan signed for hearts um which I'm sure is from the fans uh, from that game which was the Alex McDonald testimonial back in May 1984 almost 18,000 at Tank Castle for that one um diseased cheese an interesting twitter handle um Mentions that, that that song was followed swiftly by We Can't Afford You. Um, and Stuart Moore then goes on to talk about the game. He said, in re- relation to Keegan, he picked up the ball in his own six-yard box during a typical stramash and calmly dribbled past several players as he walked the ball out of the box and started an attack. I was convinced that if he wanted to, he could have kept going the full length of the park. And it's one of those that I was obviously, obviously I wasn't born for a couple of years and I think it was a bit before you would have started going to football, wasn't it? The testimonial, but it's one that I've heard of many times and it's, you know, the fact that you can see images of Kevin Keegan in a hearts kit is always quite a novelty. Um, Plus we had, we were sponsored, I think it was a one-off by Skull, Skull Lager, um, that that jersey. That was the, the classic 85-86 jersey, which wasn't really too dissimilar from 84-85, except we went from, I think, Renault sponsors to Alexander's to Mitre Copiers, but for that one-off game, which Keegan played in for Alex McDonald's, we wore Skull-sponsored jerseys. If you could get a player... To play, like, so if Arts had a testimonial for, for mm-hmm. whoever just now, if you could get someone who you would never see in a Hearts kit in in a proper competitive sense, who who would it be in that sense? Because Kevin Keegan, obviously a very big name, um, you know, crazy to see him in a Hearts kit. If you had a Hearts testimonial this season for someone, and you could randomly get someone 
who a player who's still playing, maybe at the twilight of his career, but who who, who would you get? Oh, that's a good question. I could be a smart arse and say someone's stupid, but actually have respect for that question, so I'll give it the respect it deserves with a good answer. But Messi would be obvious. Um, <clears throat> did, I'm trying to think, when we played Barcelona, did Messi play that I, I think day? he did. I think he did, yeah, but he was he still play, quite... He, he wasn't as... He was young. He did play, because Hibs played Barca two or three years later, and he wasn't there for that year. It was still like Ronaldinho and Henri and stuff, I think, were the bigger... Messi was known, but he wasn't... Yeah. He'd only just been breaking through, I think, at that point. Yeah. um... Good question. It's off the cuff. I don't have one in in my head either, to be fair. I mean, I I don't want to go for too obvious. I'd love to see Ronaldo. I'm, I'm Messi over Ronaldo. I'm Team Messi, although I'd love them both. I'd love to see Sergio Aguero, just so we could say we've seen a decent striker wearing the current Hearts jersey. Okay. We did what see... What about you? It's funny. It's like it's one of these where I would probably lean towards s- s- someone from Italian football. Um, like a... Yeah, I was thinking that as well. But... I mean, uh, obviously, I mean... Totti has now retired, but if you could get someone out of retirement who's recently retired, it'd be that. But I mean, Daniele De Rossi would be would be an interesting one as well. Are you a Boca so, fan now because he's gone there? No, I wouldn't really say so. No. Okay. Um, uh, Salah would be another one. I'd love to see. I love Mohamed Salah. He's a captain on most weeks, and he's he's done all right in my fantasy league. So he'd be another one. Salah, brilliant. David Luiz will get close because he's already been booked and Salah still going. Oh, oh yes! Superb. It's absolutely brilliant. A few mentions for this one. Cheesemeister said um, he enjoyed Dave, McFer- Dave McPherson's one best, beating Rangers 3-2 at the start of the 97-98 season. Jim Hamilton scored a hat-trick. Um, this is slightly different. I'll go back to what we're talking about. Uh, and then made way for Gavin Hastings. That's right. Um, which I didn't... I, I, vaguely remember this match. I wasn't when I was at, um, but I, I didn't remember that Gavin Hastings played. It was 8,000 at Tynecastle, July 97. Um, Gaza and Stensas on the score sheet for Jers. Um, a 20-year-old Stephen Boyack on the bench for Rangers. Um, but here's the one I was looking for. Um, so a couple of mentions for this game. James Yule says, Neil Berry getting taken off injured about five minutes into his own testimonial was his memory. Now, this was versus Leon in March 96, a 3-1 defeat. Yes. Um, uh, Berry was subbed in the 19th minute. Um, one player, when I just looked, again, I like to look at the team sheet for these games, especially games that I don't recall personally. And um, Ludovic Julie was on the bench for Leon, um, who obviously Julie. went on to win the Champions League 10 years later, won La Liga a couple of times, Coppa Italia, French top flight. Um, I like seeing little things like that. It's like when I noticed that Maurizio Pochettino um, played against Hearts for Bordeaux. Not something I would have thought of at the time because he was just a Bordeaux player, but now obviously a kind of quite well thought of manager in the English top flight. So Ludovic Julie played against Hearts. Would, would that have popped in your head? I should have done that as a question for you. Nope, it wouldn't have popped in my head. I got it wrong last week. Hands up when you get something wrong. It is pertinent to admit the fact you got it wrong. I, th- I thought Craig Levine... Uh, one of his two testimonials was against Lyon. It was not the first one, which was very poorly attended. It was against Coventry, where I think yeah. less than 3,000 um, showed up for that one. Um, and the second one was against Hibs, where a few more turned up. But they called it a benefit match, because I don't think you can have more than one testimonial for tax purposes. A uh, couple of stories. Gavin Hastings played in the 97-98 um, cup-winning team jersey, although the sponsors were capital decorators back then. That was a Dave McPherson testimonial that you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, Talk 107 sponsored part of, I think, the Robbie Nielsen testimonial, I think each half had a different sponsored jersey. It was a white, tight, clingy thing, which is on my door downstairs. I've never, I don't want my boobs sticking out of that one. That's too tight for <laughs> For me, so I got signed by Robbie, and it's on the it's on the door downstairs. Um, another couple of of ones uh, um, with stories. Guy Mackay's testimonial against Everton, uh, 1991, I think it was. We had a do at the Usher Hall 
for kids and parents as well for, for Gary's testimonial. Uh, so me and a few of the friends went along from school. We were, what, 14 years old at the time. And um, there was a big picture taken outside with all the kids and, and Gary. And then the photographer was like, right, we're going to whittle it down. We're going to have just five kids. And two of us from school were picked, myself and a good friend of mine, Callum Toshney. Um, so I was like, yes, I was me, Callum and three others were picked in this photo with Gary Mackay. And then the photographer's like, right, just one, just one with Gary, one kid with Gary. And I'm like, please be me, please be me. And Callum was chosen. <laughs> so it was Callum who got his photo taken with Gary and not me. And I often thought, oh. You got to write what, his book. That's what I'm coming to as well. Okay, and sorry. Call, Callum got me there. But yeah, it's like the audience heckler shouting out the punchline. Sorry, um, I do apologise. To be honest, my delivery probably wasn't going to be funny, so you've saved me the embarrassment of it falling or dying <laughs> on its arse. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of, um, I'm not saying, well, Callum won up to me there. I'm not saying I won up to Callum by, by getting to write Gary's book, but it's it's funny how how kind of things um, turn turn around. And um, that was the, the Everton testimonial. Um, Neil Berry's was against Leon. Craig Levine had two. Um, there's another couple. You got any more? Uh, I've got some more, yeah. I mean, Amoruso yeah. lets it run, says, um, getting uh, his memory, he's mentioning, is getting to see a rare appearance from Fernando Screpis during the Robbie Nielsen testimonial. Um, and he does mention as well... He was an Argentine, wasn't he? He was. He only played... He's... Um, He's actually in my program article um, for this week's game against Motherwell, which is based on players. What? You know, sometimes when you just don't have much material, so you've just got to fill some, fill players some pages. Players <laughs> whose surname sounds like a disease only curable by cream provided by a doctor not available over the counter. Oh, I've got a bad case of the screpus. It's it's called Flying the Flag because um, it's based on uh, Ryotaro um, Meshino becoming the first and currently only Japanese player to play for Hearts. It's um, other players who are the only player from their nation who have represented Heart of Midlothian. So Fernando Screpus is the only Argentinian to have played competitively for the Jambos. Um and yeah, five competitive appearances. But I also noticed when looking at his his um, London Hearts details that he he played five competitive games for Hearts, but he also played two testimonials. Um, he played <laughs> in Robbie Nielsen's in two thousand and eight, but he also played in Glentoran, um, obviously away in Northern Ireland for some Glentoran players' testimonial as well. So um, he five competitive games. He also played in two testimonials. Um, didn't do much, funnily enough, Fernando Screpis. Amaruso lets it run, says also, giving dogs abuse to Gordon Strachan during Craig Levine's testim- testimonials and memory, because of course Gordon Strachan played in it, he was 38 October 95, but he played against Hearts, it seems mental that he was still playing then, um, but he was, there you go. I have uh, one for you. Okay. Um, we, on occasion, me, seldomly played for the Radio Fourth. They were called the All Stars, but when we were involved, it was the Nay Stars. Um, just raising money for the Help a Child Appeal, as it was back then. Um, going around playing different different uh, teams or or whatever to raise money for local kids' charities. So I was there ten years. I think I I once scored with my hand when I was up front with Bob Malcolm, the former DJ. Uh, it, was, it was the most immobile front line ever. Bob must be about 300 now, and he's still going strong. Um, but he was probably only about 125 years old back then. And he was up front with me, and I wasn't running. Um, and the, bo- the ball came in. Um, and th- this is a tangent, because we haven't really gone off in too many. The ball came in for the left, and I-, I kind of slyly punched it in without my hand coming away from my body, because there was no way I was reaching it, because I wasn't mobile enough. So I punched it in. The referee was Big Tom Brown. Now... Older Hearts fans, kind of 40-plus, may remember Tom Brown, big, tall, lanky referee uh, who was a member of Turnhouse Golf Course. So he was like, I'll referee this one. So he, he claims he never saw it, and the goal was awarded. Tom Brown was the same referee when I was once doing a Dundee Hearts game at Dens Park where the ball smashed into his wrist really, really hard and hurt him, and, and um, he, he had to go off for treatment. He limped off. And it wasn't until, I'm thinking, wait a minute here, 
you, the ball's hit your wrist. Anyway, he, he limped off. So to, to cut a long story short, the jerseys we wore that day were the same jerseys that were worn by Neil Berry and Hearts in his testimonial against Leon. It was the Hearts Tartan. And sponsored by 4th FM, as we were back then, we then got those jerseys, all of them, except the one that kind of Neil had and a few others. But they were used for a spell as the Radio 4th All-Stars jerseys uh, going forward. So I know a lot of Hearts fans liked them. Craig Lumsden, who was our sales director, since retired, but a top lad, he was in charge of all the jerseys. He would know where they are now. But there's a, there's still a bunch of them in a big black bag somewhere. Um, <laughs> Need to locate but, them. Yeah, I thought. I mean, it was a great jersey. The fourth FM was white. It, it, I don't know who made it because it didn't really have a, a a logo like you get an Adidas or an Umbro or or whatever. It had the proper Hearts badge with the inscription underneath. Um, but yeah, when when Bob and I wore them, we didn't look quite as good as the players who wore them in the testimonial against Leon. Put it this way, there was a little bit more stretching out the front required for those jerseys. <laughs> um, Martin Taylor says, another vote for the tartan strips of the Neil Berry testimonial oh, against go. Leon. From memory, this was also one of the better attended testimonial games. And Martin also says, John Collins being a class above in the second Craig Levine testimonial versus Hibbs um, was a great player. John Collins, only some towards the end of his career, but very talented. And maybe not quite as talented when it comes to managing teams, partly due to his maybe own fitness obsession. Um, but we won't get into that. This isn't Ebb's podcast. Um, Willie Laidlaw, this is this is a good story, says, um, I had the privilege of being a linesman on the John Cumming testimonial in 1980, and I still drink from the crystal glasses I was given as a gift from him. That's pretty cool. That was against the North East 11. Oh, okay. North East 11. I mean, crystal glasses given by a Hearts legend like that. That is a, a gift to saviour for, for many years. Would uh, you, would you with that, right, if it was so, so cherished, in case you've got grandkids or kids running around and they may break it and it's irreplaceable, is that something you'd pack away and hide or is it something you'd have um, on show but high up so that it can't get broken, or, or would you would you just go ahead and and kind of use it? I think I'd keep it away, something like that. I've got a, I've got a, um, I've got nothing as 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 fancy as that, or something you know, given given after actually being involved in in a testimonial for a, a Hearts legend like that. But I have a Julian Brelli's shirt, which he gave me. I don't have I don't have many bits of actual memorabilia from players directly but Julian Brelli gave me his shirt after the game mainly to say thanks for having that bloody big French flag I lugged everywhere um, and I've got that tucked away somewhere I, I don't tend to wear it um, I didn't actually want to wash it but my girlfriend at the time made me said it stinks it was, it was only on for 10 minutes I can't smell that bad is that why she dumped you <laughs> no we lasted for a bit longer after that because your, your flag was whiffy <laughs> Not the flag, Julian Brelli's shirt. The oh, shirt he gave okay. me. He, he, it was at Pataudry. He wore the came on as I wore it, and he ran over, and we were quite near the front with the flag. And he, he kind of knew who I was from vaguely from being at Tynecastle, and he'd often give us a little clap when he when he came over. Um, so he came over and gave me his shirt. So it's a uh, the white with maroon flashes. Hummel awake it from. 0607, the year after we won the cup, um, with 28 Brelli on the back, and obviously you, you always know it's a genuine um, player shirt because one, it has the official league badges, but also because they're always massive. They're always like XXL or XL, I find, even if they're not a big kind of guy. Players always seem to wear large shirts. Yeah, there was a spell. Uh, no, would it have been the 90s? Yeah, it would have been the 90s. I had a chat with Shaka Hislop about this because people were tweeting in photos. We did a, a match together and uh, we put a graphic up on screen when Shaka played in the, his jersey. And he always wore like three or four sizes too big. That, but that was his preference. But there was a spell. So in the 80s, like the shorts were really, really short and really tight. It was funny because that, <laughs> it went from, you know, like it did. footballers, it seemed to have that ridiculous change from having huge mm -hmm. big baggy shorts to being like nothing there at all, being yeah, skimpy. Yeah. Um, Erea, who made Hearts jerseys, were notorious for just pr 
problems with sizing. So an XL for a Rhea is a medium for everyone else. So here's me going to kind of get a quadruple XL. And we're like, you fat bastard. I was like, yeah, but I'm not that fat. But it was like an XL equivalent. And and some of the players' jerseys, I've got a couple. I've got Ricardo Fuller's long sleeve jersey from the Area days. It's like a it's like a two or a three XL because they were back then. Oh, the Everton game, by the way. Hearts played Everton, lost two 0 War money, favourite shirt. And we will. I know people have a couple of people have said, whatever happened to that Hearts World Cup kit thing you were going to do? Well, blame Laurie because I was ready to go, but he said no. We'll do it this season. Oh, we'll do so it. We will. We'll, yeah, we'll we do will it. do it. Okay. But my favourite Hearts jersey, I think of all time, that wasn't a home kit, was the Inter Milan-style jersey that Hearts wore in that testimonial that they lost 2-0 against Everton. I love that shirt, the Strongbow one made by Essex. I've still got my old one in the cupboard. That, to me, was was probably my favourite away jersey that Hearts have ever worn. I, and uh, I've actually... I'm just talking about jerseys. This is... I don't know if you remember... Um... I've mentioned before that Roma, I've always got a fondness for Roma as an Italian team. And uh, was it maybe three years ago? Um, they had, they released, this is a bit ridiculous actually, they released the Derby shirt, which was wonderful um, uh, Roma top. Um, but it was about £100 um, for this shirt. Um, and I was over in Rome for Totti's final um, Totti's final game, end of the season. I uh, paid ridiculous amounts of money to get a ticket for that one in the Curva Sud. Um, and my girlfriend, who I'm going to try and not speak too loudly because she is through the house, I'd mentioned about the shirt and she was like, I don't know if I, I can't justify getting you that because it was my birthday around that time as well. And I was like, it's fine, I understand. Football shirt. 100 quid plus. I think it was more than 100 if you wanted to get a name on the back and order it for somewhere in the UK. Um, so we were over there and um, my good friend gave me a package for my birthday before we left. So I opened it when we were there. And just before I opened it, Gail was like, I didn't know what to get him because, you know, this shirt came out, but can't justify spending that much on him. And I opened this gift from my um, good friend and it was the shirt <laughs> with Totty on the back. Now, I've worn that once. I wore it to Totty's last game. Now, I was a little bit trimmer then. It was only three years ago. But you'll you'll know what they're like, some of the Italian design shirts. And this was more than, even more so, um, it was like second skin. It just sucks into <laughs> everything around you. I think it's a medium. I think the shirt's a medium. Oh, but yeah. it, it, just, it, it just hugs absolutely everything. So I think unless you are completely skinny or very buff it just it just doesn't do any favors and plus i know it cost him over 100 pounds he had to lie to his girlfriend when he bought it that it didn't cost that much um that i do it's 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 a beautiful shirt but it's probably the most expensive shirt i own in terms of football shirt and i didn't buy it um but yeah I, I, it's a it's a sacred one in the cupboard i think we're going to i, I feel like a homework come out of this not to do with shirts necessarily but maybe you're most treasured football-related um, possessions, be that mm. a shirt given to you by a player or one that you've just bought that you like or a program from a game that, or even something signed or something because <clears throat> I am, um, you know, I you're probably like me and I, I always get grief from the other half for it. Why have you kept, why have you got these programs sitting about in, in cupboards and in drawers and stuff? And it's like... You, I, I don't get grief... I don't get grief from from the wife. I get grief from my dad. Do you keep them? Because you... I keep them in his, in, in my mum and dad's attic in Pennycook. My so dad's I convinced. He is convinced that the roof's coming in. He goes, one of these days your mother will be sleeping and those bloody um... programs will come down and they'll smash on top of her head. I, I've got the same. I think, I think he's I think he's secretly hoping <laughs> that that happens when they've had an argument. I've got a big I've got a box full at my mum and dad's house, which is a couple hours up in um, Aberdeenshire, up in the northeast, in their attic, and my mum has a periodic moan saying, oh, I'm cleaning things out. Do you still need all of them? And, yeah. Oh, I, is that the same for everyone? I get exactly the same, but it's not just programmes, <laughs> right? Because I've got every heart's home going back to 46, I think, and they're in my mum and dad's house, all the Europeans, aways and whatever. But I'm a hoarder, right? So I collected football sticker hoarder. books. Football yeah, hoarder, yeah. But, but newspapers as well, but things oh, that no, happen. But I didn't, I didn't just do the scrapbook. Um, I, I, I kept the whole paper, so uh, every now and then, 
We're having a clear it. Don't you touch that attic. I bet it's going to fall in, says your dad. Oh, um, let that, you can you can sum that up. You've got, what, 20 minutes or so to sum that up in one question for next week's homework, because that's a really good one. I just want to end the whole testimonial thing with a couple of jerseys. Um, Hearts played against Hibs in the benefit match. It was Craig Levine's second one, so they called it benefit. Not, it was October 97. Um, Primo was the, the make of the jersey. I'd never heard of them either. But the sponsor was Sky Scottish. Uh, Sky, as in Sky TV. But they had a channel, and it didn't last long, called Sky Scottish. It was just basically a token way of saying, yes, we know you're up there. Here's a channel that's full of shite, but you can have it anyway. And the second one was Robbo's testimonial in 1992. It was just a plain white hearts jersey um, sponsored by Fast Tech that, that we wore. Uh, Henry's testimonial, he obviously wore a wacky Strongbow Asics jersey. Then the, the, the outfield players wore the one I was telling you about against Everton, the, the, the Inter Milan one. But I like it how we've... Uh, who's this one? Lothian Plumbing Supplies um, must have been Gary Mackay's testimonial it was um, in 1991. And I just like it. It's, it's good to look back on because these are... Although, all the memories I kind of have are, are home games that I was at. We've played a few away. You've mentioned a couple. Uh, I was at the Neil Harris one, the Laurie Ellis one for Wraith. Um, there's a thing on YouTube. Watford 4, Hearts 3, May 1987. We played in the goalkeeper Steve Sherwood's testimonial, and the goals are up there as well. So once or twice we have been invited to play away from home in, uh, in testimonials. It was always a, a good day out because um, you get to go to places that you haven't normally been to before. Okay, moving on to um, uh, other topics. Thank you to everyone for getting in touch. I know we didn't get through everyone's um, suggestions and feedback, but I appreciate um, the material and the, I guess, the the topics that have come up from it because a lot of these are games that I wouldn't have even known about unless I had to look at them because testimonials... Um, from before your time supporting Hearts aren't usually things that people can harp on about too much. I think the Kevin Keegan one is probably maybe the exception just because it was such a well-known um, football player who was involved, but that was it was interesting to go through. Um, before we finish up for this show, we will look ahead back to the present day and back to competitive football to Hearts Motherwell coming up this weekend. Um, now, it's a big game again. Now, there's no point in saying, uh, you know, it's the last chance, it's winner or bust for Craig Levine, because I think we've learned now that we're never going to know if it's winner or bust for Craig Levine. There is no... It's 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 kind of almost pointless discussing it now. I think what's going to happen is um, each week these games come up, and if Hearts fail to win, there will be another week of everyone, um, almost everyone, calling for his head, and he'll have to put up with the abuse Um just the way it is, really. Uh, but this is a tough game. Now, I'd, Hearts obviously beat Motherwell a couple of weeks ago in the um, Betfred Cup, probably their best performance of the season, um, we could probably say quite safely. This is going to be a different kind of match now this week. Apart from anything, Motherwell have had a couple of good results. Now, I didn't see their game against Hibs, but from the reports and what I listened to from reaction, it was 3-0 going on 5 or 6 quite easily. They absolutely tore Hibs apart. Now, Hibs, like Hearts, are in a bit of turmoil just now, but let's not take anything away from that kind of result. They had a decent um, win in the Lanarkshire derby prior to that. Now, they're going to come to Tynecastle with... A reasonable bit of confidence um, they're not going to be pushovers hearts aren't going to be able to play necessarily on the break like they did at fur park there's going to be a lot of pressure and you could see it or well you, you could probably hear it i'm going to guess when you were obviously watching the game against hamilton there's not going to be any quarter given by these hearts fans from the start against motherwell hearts players are going to get no time to settle um, they're going to have the fans on their back from the start, basically. Um, I don't know how this one's going to go. Before Hamilton, I was, I don't say confident, but I was fairly sure that we would get a win of some description, despite how poor we'd been. I thought, we have to get a reaction. We were so poor against Ross County. It's going to happen. But it didn't. Now, 
I don't know. If Motherwell won three nil at Tynecastle on Saturday, I'm probably not going to come on next week and say that was I was really surprised. What what interests you more, thirteen to ten Hearts or five to two Motherwell? <laughs> but probably neither. But I guess the latter, if if I had to. Probably, but you're right. I mean, apart from the Aberdeen game on week one, when I said Aberdeen were a banker, they just got there in the end. Um, being hopelessly wrong, apart from the Celtic game where we didn't bother uh, with with the rest of the predictions. So it, it tells me Hearts are not easy to to predict. I would rather this game was at Fir Park because right now, Tyne Castle's a twelfth man for the opponents if things don't start well. And it's not the fault of the Hearts fans because you're right. We, we've said it before. There are times where you hope for a bit of patience from Hearts supporters coming to Tyne Castle. You can't ask for that right now because they've given you nothing. Uh, the team has given you absolutely nothing that would would allow for for that patience. So it's just a broken record. We've got to start quick. We've got to try and get the fans on our side. No one knows. That, that's the bottom line. I didn't think Hearts would win at Fir Park in the League Cup. I thought Motherwell were a banker there, and they weren't. So I think pick what you think might happen and then go the opposite. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, what is this? Is this this is Thursday we're recording this? I'm sure, I don't know if Craig Levine, if that interview Barry Anderson did was part of a an exclusive or if it was a a, a, a one from the press conference or whatever. Well, I'll um, Joel Sked um, put out his <coughs> Hearts Motherwell preview just earlier today, um, and he has mentioned in his team news: Peter Haring, Jamie Walker, Craig White, and Ben Gurucho all remain. Uh, out the game is too soon for Suter and Pereira. Um, Michael Smith could oh. return. Um, Stephen Naismith is a doubt. Um, I thought Pereira might be back this weekend, so Doyle again. Barry put an article up actually yesterday mentioning the fact that Pereira um, is due to return to Hearts at the start of next week. Um, so okay. neither right. him or Suter will be involved, but Michael Smith could be. Naismith is down as a doubt. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't risked with the derby coming up afterwards, which would... Um, well, here, here's interesting. I mean, save us, you know, going through ideas. Here's the possible Hearts lineup from the end evening news that Joe's got okay. out. Doyle, Smith, Halkett, Berra, Hickey, Claire Irving, Whelan, Mulraney, McLean, Washington. So... Well, not inspired. Not inspired, no. I would, I would agree. I mean, Smith coming back is a plus, but fullback is not a massive issue, albeit um, I thought White struggled a bit against Ackies, but I think I mean, my main concern, again, I know we've been frail defensively, but it's what we're doing moving forward. Um, and, you know, midfield, Claire Irving, Whelan, Mulraney, McLean, Washington. Uh, I'm taking the 5-2 to two Motherwell, if that's the team. Yeah. But again, what else is there? It's, it's, it's so difficult to be positive. Meshino is around, but he's largely untested. It wasn't really a great game for him to to get his bow against Hamilton with that pressure in a game which ended up being fairly poor for Hearts in the second half. Yeah, so what's different for this game? It's the same. It's the same scenario. It's against a team that the Hearts fans would hope and expect us to beat. But in all honesty, they've scored six goals and conceded one in the last two games. We've been honking. They beat Hibs. 3-0, we've still got to play them. They beat Hamilton, what, 3-1? We drew with Hamilton. And I, I know we beat them at Far Park. I just think right now, I've always kind of thought when Tynecastle's a tough place to play at because things aren't going well and the fans are on your back, it's best if you play away from home. So it's not going to take long. First, first misplaced pass and the fans are, are... Patience is going to be in short supply and you can't ask for it because they don't deserve it. It's not shown enough. The... There will be Hearts fans that will get on the backs of other Hearts fans for not being patient enough, but there's your infighting and that it just manifests itself. I just, I just want to win. It's exactly the same conversation we had on Scarfs around the funnel prior to the Motherwell game. We hadn't been playing well. We didn't really know where a win was coming from. We probably said around that time that betting on the away team was probably your your safer option, and we won a horrible game one nil. Just give me that again. Let's kickstart something. Big three games coming up. Motherwell, and then Hibs, and then Aberdeen. It could be really good for us. We've got to start somewhere. Because if we don't win this weekend, 
I don't fancy going into the derby away from home um, in this type of form. I know they're playing poorly as well, but my God, this could be the most non-eagerly awaited derby in history if the form is to be uh, is to be a, a kind of indicator. It's down to the players and it's down to the management to, to I guess, change that feeling and hopefully it starts this weekend. I mean, I've said before, it's going to take more than just one or two wins for me to change my long-term opinion, but it's a start and it would give us something more positive to talk about. It's going to be very, and we said it before the Hamilton game, and it was it was very unsavoury during um, the game and afterwards because of the way the match went. It's going to keep going up a notch with every week that Hearts put in a poor performance and get a below-par result. Um, this weekend, if Hearts don't win this game, I think it's going to kick off again. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is to that uh, because, you know, we talked about Craig Levine's interview. It's just pointless. And I know, you know, fans often, I see, you know, you see players coming out and saying things. It's like, do your talking on the pitch. But, you know, people have media commitments. People have to talk. Um, uh, so there's always going to be these interviews. But it's pointless. You're probably the same as me. I don't even bother reading. I read that, but days. yeah, be... I don't tend to bother you. No, it's just, it's just... Player interviews are a waste of time. Manager interviews, you can maybe glean something from it. You told me about this interview. I read it. There wasn't much more that I thought he would say that that he he, he did say. Um, but again, put us in the same position. We're, we're fighting for our lives. Um, we'd probably say exactly the same. So Craig Levine's not going to come out and say, oh, I don't have a clue. I'm, I'm really lost just now. I'm, I'm just kind of hoping it'll change but I've not got much um, much else to offer than I'm just going week by week and, and just waiting for praying that things change. He's not going to even if he was deep, even if he was somehow feeling that he's lost it and he's, he's he doesn't know how to change it he's, he has kind of suggested that in not so many words a couple of times um, but that was maybe during the last season with the Malays. I think now he's trying to show some kind of defiance and that things will get better because he can't say that now. He's had a whole summer, made a whole bunch of new signings. Um, but but these words and excuses just won't wash much at all anymore. i got a question for you. You're going to be the manager this weekend. You're picking the team. Does Sean Clare start? Ideally not, but then I suppose it depends who's available. Hmm. And it does depend how we're playing as well. If we're playing 4-4-2, I, I certainly wouldn't have him near the team but it depends I mean it depends. ideally I think look at the players we have our best system is to play with a sort of 4-2-3-1 and have Whelan and Demure sing because they both seem very capable Whelan obviously huge heaps of experience Demure um, I've liked the look of him so far and the kind of the small amount I've seen him and then when I think we have some potentially good attacking players who could play off a, a main striker but we obviously have a few injuries just now with, with the likes of Walker out and Naismith struggling, so it depends. Depends which Sean Clare shows up. Is it the Sean Clare that was uh, excellent for a short spell against Hamilton or the one that, and again, people will say, oh, picking on him. Well, yes, in a way. Yes, because this is a game where we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to battle. I want fighters in my team. I want those that are prepared to battle. Um, I, I did the Ireland-Switzerland game. Glenn Whelan. Things at times didn't go for him, but he never hid. I want players like that. But if you take Claire out, given, and this is the frustrating thing, for me it's it's a third of the game you get what Craig Levine told everyone that we would be getting when he came to the club, and two thirds of the game we're playing with ten men. We can't have that. It's either the majority of the game or, or, or not. But do you get the Sean Clare of the first half hour against Hamilton or the last hour? Um, where not only him, but many others were kind of, I'm not saying hiding, but not as involved. I want players that are that, that want to be lieutenants, that, that want to go to the ball, that want the ball all the time, that don't care that there's boos and jeers, that are braver than that. I don't want players that, that shirk responsibilities. And, and for me... I'd take him out of the team right now. I would sacrifice the potential of getting half an hour of what he is capable of for someone that's... 
I don't think we need. Uh, for, for me, it's it's kind of it's perspiration that's required. And and I, I, now, if I could get perspiration and inspiration, I'd take it. But if I'm only getting one or the other, and I'm only getting inspiration for a third of the game, and I'm getting perspiration for ninety, g- give me that. Just just give give me someone that's gonna that's gonna grind. This isn't going to be a game to be pretty against Motherwell. We're going to have to battle. And I don't want to battle with someone who's not going to be available for hypothetically an hour of the game. I'd have him off the bench. And I think it would be a kind of lesson as if to say, hey, it's not just you, but you can't just do this for part of the game. And as Neil McCann says on Radio Scotland and and as others have said on on the radio and in, in print as well, we keep harping back to him, to Sean Clare, because there's there's something there. And it's a, it's a frustration that we're not getting more of that on a more regular basis. He's not a hate figure or anything like that. And I understand the whole finger to the lips when he scores. As if to say, well, that'll shut up the haters. Shut us up all you want. The more you can shut us up, the better. The last thing I want to be doing is talking about Sean Clare. I want him to be a, a part of the team every week. We've said it before. If we know we can get that for 90 minutes, he's the first name on the team sheet. But we we can't right now. I'm taking him out the final line. I want I want a hard worker. Maybe not quite the same skill level, but this isn't about dainty and and showcasing ability and whatever. This is about battling. This is about fighting. This is about getting three points, gnawing, scratching, doing anything you can. So I want players like the Republic of Ireland have that are capable of doing that, that are going to do that against Motherwell. And if it means for the last 20 minutes when we need some inspiration, bring him off the bench. And if he does well, then two things. One, he'll not be on the bench again because he's done well. But two, it's a wake-up call. You're not going to start every week, pal, just because you can show us a good half hour against Hamilton. It's time to stand up. And this weekend, I want fighters. End of rant. It was a good run, a good way to end our look ahead to Motherwell. Let's hope there is plenty of fight and a result at the end of it. And we will, of course, review it next week in our next podcast. Um, Homework before next time we've talked about is your favourite football-related possessions um, and for what reason. So it could be your favourite shirts, um, programme, something signed, um, it could be something random, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't think, you know, maybe not random, but the fact that we had that tweet earlier from uh, Willie Laidlaw says he owns um, some glasses that were given to him um, after being assistant, uh, assistant or referee or linesman, as they called it then, in the John Cumming testimonial, things like that. Or maybe it's something signed by a player. Maybe you got something random signed. Did you did you have nothing available? So you had to, I don't know, get him to sign I don't know where I'm going with that. What 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 would you have? What would you get someone to sign because you didn't have anything obvious available? Well, at at the tennis, and this is the bizarre thing. I can't remember which player it was, but this fan, he's probably in his twenties, rushed down with a black sharpie, and then waited his turn after the match was finished, and handed over the sharpie. And the player, I wish I could remember who it was. It's like, well, what what do you want me to sign? He pointed at his forehead, and got <laughs> he didn't have anything with him. He got his forehead signed. So, why? What's the point? It's not coming off unless you scrub it, but you don't want to scrub it because it's... Why would you get your forehead signed? And that's another week's homework. What's the... (laughs) Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there just now. Let's not go there. We'll we'll stick to your your favourite football-related possessions that you own. Obviously, ideally hearts-related, but... Yeah, you know, we're we're fairly open these days. Sometimes we want a break from misery, so we look to other football topics, not just Heart of Midlothian. In in case I I forget about this, the weirdest thing I own as far as football memorabilia is concerned, there was a press conference and in the mid nineties and I was on work experience. It was a press conference at Tyne Castle, and I was on work Are you doing a tangent at this time in the day? No, 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 no. And I'm saying, <laughs> listen, what do you mean at this time in the day? We, there was a press conference mid-90s hosted by Tyne Castle in which the organising committee for the Korea World Cup, not the Korea and Japan World Cup, this was 
them putting their pitch over that Korea, on its own, I don't think North were involved, were going to host the World Cup in 20, 2002. So I have a watch, which isn't Japan and Korea. It's the, they had their own logo, Korea only, 2002 World Cup, which obviously never came to fruition. But this was their kind of launch in the UK. They held it at Tyne Castle in the mid-90s. And I've still got the watch to this day. And there can't be too many of them around. Um, and obviously, it was Japan and Korea with a totally different logo. I think that's the weirdest piece of football memorabilia that I have. Um, and I thought I'd tell you about that right now because I want to end on a, a non-negative note. That's always good. Some positivity. Quick mention for something else we spoke about last week. Mark Wells um, tweeted and said, I think they were listening. Um, and he's in reference in the last show, which is when we spoke about the fact that Kelly Hartz and Ochenleck Talbot should be yes. on TV. Um, and he quoted that with the BBC article, which shows that it will be on TV Friday the 20th of September, five past seven kickoff at New Central Park. Love it. Um, BBC Scotland, Kelly Hartz against Ochenleck Talbot. And the final thing from me uh, this week uh, is... is a little bit of thanks to Ian Buckle, who's tweeted us while we've been on air recording this. And quite simply, my hope for this weekend is that, unlike myself in New York, hearts can keep a clean sheet against Motherwell. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Very good. Thank you, Ian. And on that note, um, we will say farewell and we'll see you next time. So I go back to my room in a hotel and there is no sheets on the bed. Call the manager and tell him I want a sheet. He tell me to go to the toilet. I say, you don't understand. I want a sheet on my bed. He say, you better not sheet on my bed, you son of a bitch. I don't need this shit.